We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think if you use the term woke, you don't belong using the term woke. Like if you complain about something being woke, you just don't, you don't know, like you're already, you're already behind the eight ball. Like just stop. You're complaining about using the the term woke or you're complaining about something being woke. No, no, no. About using people who are complaining. I'm complaining about people who complain about things being woke. Hmm. (laughs) Like Ben Shapiro. Yeah. People like that. Uh-huh. He's 2000 and late. It was like a thing a couple of years ago. And yeah, anyway, anyone who uses that term now doesn't deserve to use that term. Yeah. It's very silly to me how something like that becomes becomes a bad word, you know? I mean, people out there, there are so many people who are just like really good at propaganda, and I get it. And the internet is like a horrible pit of despair and misinformation. And I get that too. But like, you know, a term that essentially at its core, ideally is just meaning like, I don't know. Aware. Yeah. Being aware of other people and other experiences and maybe accepting that there are other valid experiences uh, than your own. And maybe that you should listen to certain other people, especially if theirs are the voices who have not been traditionally in power and things like that. And like, that seems like a reason to me, a reasonable, and I'm not even getting extreme about it, right? This is bare bones. Seems like a reasonable enough position, a reasonable enough idea. And yet, you know, it has become like this fucking, you know, boogeyman word uh, um, for conservative people. And so, yeah, it's just very strange to me. What's up, podcast? Yeah, podcast podcast stopping in. (sighs) Yum, yum, yum. podcast. <clears throat> so, um, I still have several tree houses left from the pack that me and Matt got, but tonight I actually have an other half that Matt gave to me. Um, actually, machine, uh, showers, doom, doom showers, doom, doom showers. showers. I was wondering, I was trying to see what the word said here. I was like, is it say doom? Okay. So it's a collab with other half and Troon. Matt, I don't know Troon. Where, what's their deal? Troon's, Troon's the, the new hotness. Um, are they? They are in... Well, they're the new hotness for beer. They're in it's a a, a farm brewery in Princeton, or, uh, Hopewell, New Jersey, near Princeton. Okay. Um, that I mean, they they only they hardly release anything because they just have their capacity capacity constraint. They can hardly like make enough to keep up with the people that want to buy their beer. 
they only have one draft account, which is the restaurant out in front of their brewery on this farm. Um, they, they like do surprise releases. So essentially um, they'll like today at four fifty nine on Instagram, they posted like, we have beer today. Uh, we have 250 allotments. Um, like it's, here's the beer. And they talk about it. And within half an hour, it's like, there's enough people in line that we're sold out. Thank you. Wow. Holy yeah. shit. Um, I don't think they're actually, from what I've heard from people who know the brewers, they're not really interested in scaling up either. They're kind of happy doing their own thing, but, um, they are very well known for their, uh, they just call them hoppy ales, but IPAs and double IPAs. Um, now, you know, the, the, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm at a loss for words, listeners. I, I like it because they, you know it's very, very high quality, but it's very frustrating too. Because unless you live within 20 minutes of the brewery, you're not going to get it. Like I, you know, my, my work is, um, you know, like two hours from that place. I'm never going to be able to just like go there after work and pick up the beer because it's always going to be sold out. They will do ticket releases sometimes, but again, the same thing. They just like sporadically announce it like oh hey we got tickets for sale and then like three minutes later it's like hope you got some they're sold out so unless you're like on your phone ready to go you're not going to get anything yeah so in this case this is like this is a situation where the only chance you're getting something from them is like through your through your like beer groups on facebook and stuff like that right if i'm if i'm lucky but uh people in that group have a hard time getting stuff too so wow. it, that was why it was nice to have the collab with them. Or uh, when I was at Green City, other apps festival earlier this year, they were up there with a couple of their beers. So, oh, okay. But hmm. or if I mean well, you can stop at the restaurant where their their one draft account is and get some stuff there too. They've got two or three two or three beers on tap usually. Hmm. Well, this one is really tasty for sure. Yeah. Colin, what do you got, Matt? I just want to say I know it's like unsurprising at this point both for our listeners and like me as a friend of yours, but your knowledge of beer is just incredible. The fact that you could just like rattle all that off, like that's what I can do for baseball. So I can relate, but I'm just like, wow, I'm, I'm still really impressed. Unfortunately, a lot of it is gained from standing in line with guys who look like me while, <laughs> you know, at like beer fest, was like, oh, you know, the guys from truth. Ah. <laughs> How do you always get their beer? I want some. <laughs> That's usually about it. That is what beer uh, enthusiasts sound like. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what beer fests are. Just 2,000 people who look like me. <laughs> kind of happily, drunkenly bouncing off each other because we're all overweight. You know what it made me think of, actually? Not the voice, but like the gesture and the way you were kind of bouncing that. Because it made me think of South Park Canadians. <laughs> how they're with their heads like split in half and be like murk, 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 murk. yeah that's what it made me think of this is a great beer buddy <laughs> oh man well that's that's just as a as an offshoot so the the brewery of the namesake on my hat voodoo brewing released some ipas a couple years ago and the series is called buddy guy and friend three different uh three different beers oh my god they're ipas um, I love it, and they've got they've got the uh, South Park characters in the front. Those the, the guys at Voodoo though really like uh, really like South Park. They've done um, they're one of their most famous beers is called Man Bear Pig. They've also got a beer called Taco Flavored Kisses. 
Um, they've got the IPAs. They've, they've done a lot of stuff that's either Seinfeld or South Park themed. Matt, didn't you send me like a Clyde Frog beer? Who? Yes, that was who Voodoo. Was, it was Voodoo. Okay. Yeah, and they're also the ones that did Colin's uh, Sticks beer. Oh, okay. very cool. So they're, they've nice. got a sense of humor. Very cool. Nice. <clears throat> well, I am uh, I am drinking Hide in the Haze. Uh, it is a brew by Suffolk Punch uh, down here in Charlotte. Six percent. It's okay. I was expecting a little bit more. Um, not not a little bit more alcohol percentage, but just tasting a little bit better. I gave it a three two five. But okay, yeah. What? How old is it? Uh, I looked uh, after that because I was like, is it is it too old? Seven one twenty two. Oh, okay. So yeah, that that's that should still be tasting good. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's just not what I thought it was going to be. Um, it's it says tropical, but like I I just I don't really feel the the tropic, you know. Mm. Surprisingly, for the second week in a row, no, I am not drinking anything. <laughs> oh my goodness, the world Which, is ending. Yeah, it's been it's been seven days. You know, this is now. Spoiler alert: after last week's. Um, uh show i did go downstairs and i had a beer but since but, that beer last wednesday night i have had nothing holy shit really yeah now part of it is that so i did for to, to get all our listeners caught up i did catch the covid after two and a half years i was able to, or I, I was finally unable to, to stay away and um so i tested positive last thursday and um i've been taking uh tylenol to help with the fever on Thursday and then help with the sore throat on Friday and Saturday. So didn't want to mix Tylenol and, and alcohol. That's always a really, really bad uh, story for your liver. So don't ever do that. Tylenol plus boot or acetaminophen plus booze. Really bad, really bad. Um, but also just, uh, I lost my, my sense of smell and most of my sense of taste. So that the other kind of sad half of it is, uh, I don't really feel like, like, uh, I'm kind of afraid to drink a beer at this point. Like, I don't want to, I don't know if it's going to taste different. You know, I don't know if I'm not going to like it. Uh, you know, it's kind of a weird, like <laughs> I, I have no desire at the moment and I'm kind of afraid. Yeah, a waste of a treehouse beer. Yeah, I do. I mean, I have, I still have a couple of the fridge. I got some good. Now, yeah. Too. It would be a waste. Yeah. To have it when you don't have a sense of smell or taste. I mean, my God. Yeah. So, so wait, is it, uh, is it coming back or what? Uh, is it getting it's, any better? It's slowly creeping back. So I've, I've had, I, I'll say I have diminished taste. So some things, Taste normal. Um, vanilla ice cream tastes normal. Um, but like uh, I had a piece of pizza the other day because I was experimenting and texture wise tasted Hot like honey pepper. and pepperoni. No, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say this, Greg. I'm, I'm cousin Greg. I'm really sorry. This was an experiment more than it was for nourishment. I had a slice of gas station pizza just because I was curious two days ago. And uh, you got to do what you got to do. Was it sheets though? No. Uh, uh, not that I was expect like gas station Wawa. pizza doesn't taste good anyway, but I was hoping it would at least taste like what I would expect it to taste. Right. It's just right. It, the texture was there, but the, the, the taste wasn't. So that was kind of, disappointing that was a bad thought experiment the other day <laughs> now's the time to do it though when yeah you're, when you yeah when you have no taste and smell yeah um so it's 
diminished taste and I'm getting, I think I'm getting a little bit of smell back. So like this morning I was telling Colin, um, I, I think I could smell a little, like a faint smell of my deodorant this morning, but like with the weirdest, it's weird. Like Saturday and Sunday and Monday, I could stick my nose in, in like a thing of scent crystals, scent booster crystals in the, in the, washer and dryer with the laundry room and I couldn't smell a dang thing. And that's frightening. Like, it's like, I know this should smell really, really strongly of like mountain breeze, whatever the hell that chemical con- concoction is, but I yeah. smelled nothing. It just smelled, felt like I was breathing in through my nose. Um, similarly, like, like taking out the trash last night um, to the extent that you could feel a smell. It's like the weirdest sensation. Like as I was putting my trash in the bin, like I sniffed the bin and I couldn't smell any of the trash smell. I I could tell that my nose was smelling something. I could like feel something that was like, "Mm, this smells bad, but I couldn't actually tell you what any of it's like. It was the weirdest thing. Like I knew there was a smell there. Couldn't tell you what the smell was. I could just tell you, Oh, this is a bad smell. Wow. It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. Crazy. So anyway, well, we're glad you're feeling better, obviously. Yes. um, Yes. And, uh, and I know, cause I, I had talked to you that it didn't, didn't really spread too much, um, outside yes. of, uh, just you and a, and a couple people you were with. So I was very nervous, but I'm happy to, uh, to report that. Yeah. The, the, the infection has been contained. Yeah. I'm doing much better on my road to recovery. Awesome. Well, we look forward to cracking a beer with you soon. It'd be a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can take this a couple different ways in terms of, uh, what else we want to talk about tonight i could start with something that i think will set ethan off because he's he's hinted at being annoyed about this a couple times over the past week or so oh um i could also show you some or not show you but uh tell you about some really funny stuff from our buddy ken tremendous or michael sure yeah Yes, yes. I wasn't sure and I could let I could let Ethan Ethan could tell the story of, of that if uh, if it makes sense, um, or we can start by talking about O'Neill Cruz. I don't know if you guys oh, saw that today. I actually, yeah, I did. No, I, I was, did I, and I, I, <clears throat> I saw it, and I was thinking about him. And actually, I looked up his numbers, and I actually was thinking about mentioning him. Yeah. So why don't we start with him? Educate okay. me, guys. Yeah, what did I miss? So O'Neill Cruz hit the hardest hit batted ball tracked by Statcast today 122.4 miles an hour mm-hmm. it was a single it was a fucking bullet like a yep. laser beam off the right field wall yeah. yeah and like the the immediate thought for me when i saw that it wasn't a homer and just thinking about like all the homers that judge and stanton have hit and i mean just the piss missiles that come off their bat like i'm like can you hit a ball that hard and it go out is that possible <laughs> or does it have to be like a line drive single like that? Cause I think Stan had the hardest hit ball this season prior to that, if I remember correctly. And it was like a single or something like that. And I just wonder like the getting into the analytics and everything, the launch angle, like, can you actually hit a ball that hard that goes that far? Um, or can you, you max out at like 119, 120 miles an hour, at least right now. I mean, like they're only going to get stronger. Right. And everything. So Right. This is um this is an amazing question, and I got to believe that like physics can answer it. 
Like, I, if, if Matt doesn't already know how to answer this, I will ask my partner after this episode because yes. um, I am sure that there is a way to, like, actually answer that. Like, what is the speed at a certain launch angle that the ball would have to go to travel such and such feet to get over a wall that is such and such tall? Like, I'm sure that you can figure out any manner of scenarios with the physics, right? I mean, that would be super interesting. <laughs> What you say, well, actually, I did my science fair project on the launch angle and lift coefficient <laughs> of footballs in ninth grade. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I'd say uh, an actual physicist would be much better at this setup. But um, I, I think you're not just. I don't think, Colin. I think you're wrong. I, I don't think hard balls hit that hard have to be light. I mean. Is essentially it's a force meeting another like another ball. So as as long as you've got the force coming at the right angle, now you have different wind resistances and different lift coefficients. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much lift the baseball actually generates, but I know the spin of the baseball also can determine how far you know backspin versus knuckling versus front you know front spin will determine how far it flies as well. But really, um, if O'Neill Cruz was swinging as hard as he was. If uh, I guess I should say, if the force in the direction of the launch angle, uh, damn it! <laughs> it's all right. Your brain's foggy. You've had COVID. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, you're you're if if you're breaking it down into like the force of the bat and the swing path, right? You've got um, depending on the the swing path and depending on if it's an uppercut swing or like a level swing. You've got if it's a level swing, all your force is directed straight. If it's an uppercut swing, you've got some of the force, you know, breaking down the vector into its two components. You've got some of the force directed in the vertical direction and some of the force directed in the, um, you know, the, the horizontal direction. But again, as long as that, that moment is hitting the ball, you know, as long as the angle is right and the force is right, I, I'm assuming you should be able, you know, if that, that 122 mile an hour single could have easily been, a 550 foot home run. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, I, I'm not saying that that can't happen. I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, I, I think I do believe what you just said, Matt, that like that, that could have been a homer or it can be a homer in the future from Cruz or from judge or any of these people who are six, 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 seven and taller and just mammoths and, and hitting baseballs. But <laughs> I, I was just like, I was surprised I, when I saw the the stat and like you watch the hit and it's impressive, but I was just like, I, I, I just saw it and I was expecting to see this long home run and it wasn't. And I mean, it's still very cool, but um, yeah. I, I mean, I do think there are limits though. There's going to be a limit of at some point that we're going to reach of um, whether it's human performance or the strength of a wooden bat or, um, you know, the, the, the maximum baseball can go with that kind of force in the, in the air is just, you know, there is a limit somewhere, but I don't think that is necessarily affecting if it's a home run or a single. So yeah, I did a very poor job, by the way, any, any of my friends or scientists listening to this, I am sorry. Cause I still did a pretty bad job explaining all that, but you did just fine. Can you guys hear uh, me? Okay. Yeah, you're fine. Okay, no. all right. I had forgotten to plug in my microphone, and I just plugged it in, and I wasn't sure if it was going to fuck something up. Uh, no, I think that's super interesting. And I have um, one thing I wanted to mention about Cruz, too, that's super interesting to me. 
<clears throat> so because he had that hit right and and as colin said fastest fastest hit ball in the stat cast area era which is since 2015 for for people who may not know so you know that's that's pretty solid he also has been in the news this year for making an infield throw was it fastest it was fastest wasn't it it yep. just it just beat tatis who had two throws right he i just think it beat them glad was uh the one he beat Vlad jr tatis Vlad Jr. Well, plays, hasn't played this year. Yeah, but he did it like last year. Vlad Jr. wouldn't throw at 97 miles an hour. He plays first base. I'm pretty sure he was playing third, and for whatever reason. Maybe he was up there. I know Tatis for sure yeah. was up there, in any case. Yeah. So Cruz Cruz was in the news now twice this year for, for the hardest throw and now the hardest hit. And so I was like, wow, that's that's really amazing. You know, he must – He I, I haven't heard all that much about him otherwise. He must be fucking uh, uh, destroying shit this year. And I went and I looked up his numbers. His war is like 0.7 for the year. Um, he's only played like 50-something games. I don't know if he's been hurt. But other than these like a couple, these couple like amazing things that he's done, he's really not playing very well. His, his OPS plus was like 80 or something. So like, you know, 20 points below average in terms of an overall hitter. So when he gets one... It's unbelievable, right? And same with his defense, but but he's only 23. It, it, I hope that he puts it all together, you know, because it would be really amazing if he could become somebody like Judge, who who has that strength and that power and that size and is also like a really good overall player, you know? Yeah, and so he, far, he, not there. <clears throat> he wasn't a mid he, he or he wasn't a hurt, he was a midseason call up. That's yeah, what it was. Right, yeah. That's why. Okay. So yeah. let's so okay. So we still got, you know, we still got some time. We'll see, we'll see what it looks like, you know, at the end of the year. And I mean, but, uh, look, I'm looking at the score right now. Today they lost 14 to two to the Braves. They're 47 and 77 overall. Like ugh. he's he's not on a good team. He's not in a good situation. Yeah, true. It, you know, that when you're that young and all the expectations are on you, it's it's rare, you know, that you can do it alone. Like we were talking about A Rod so much last week, and people forget like those Mariners teams are the best Mariners teams of their entire franchise history. And like, if you put a rod on those teams at any other point in their history, does he have that same success immediately? Probably not. Right. He's got Griffey in the lineup. He's got Buner. He's got Edgar Martinez. He's got Randy Johnson on the mound, Jamie Moyer, you know, and everything. And it's like, it's just (laughs) a lot of pressure to put someone on, a terrible franchise like the Pittsburgh Pirates have been for pretty much our entire existence outside of maybe what two seasons where two seasons, I don't even think they went ago. past the division series, which is they won like 98 games, 97 games a couple of years there. But yeah. Yeah. So somewhere, somewhere, someplace in this country, Jamie Moyer is still trying to pitch. <laughs> Jamie Moyer. Yeah. Jamie Moyer is still pitching and, and uh, Ricky Henderson's still hitting. Yeah. So. Yes. <laughs> so good. All right, um, Ethan, do you want to tell people uh, a little backstory quickly about friend of the podcast, Joe Posnanski's friend, Ken Tremendous, and how that all happened before I read off some stuff? Yeah, okay, so Ken Tremendous is the Twitter handle of Michael Schur, who is uh, one of the most decorated and important television writers um, of, of this generation. Um, <clears throat> he was one of the writers for The Office. Before that, he worked on SNL for several years. Um after he left the office, he was the co-creator and showrunner of Parks and Recreation, my favorite show of all time. Um, he also was the co-creator of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, another of my favorite shows. He co-created that with a former uh, Parks and Rec writer named Dan Gore. 
Um, he was the creator and showrunner of The Good Place, another show that I loved and and that is beloved. Um, he was the co-creator of Rutherford Falls, which is a show that's on now. The second season came out recently. First season was awesome. Anyways, point being, super, you know, amazing, amazing TV writer, amazing comedy writer. Um, and he also wrote a book on ethics uh, that came out recently that I haven't had a chance to read yet. But in any case, he and Joe Posnanski, my favorite sports writer of all time, friend of the podcast, um, <laughs> are like super close friends. And they have been for years and years now because Mike Schur, the TV writer, is a massive, rabid, insane baseball fan, like on our level, if not more. He, he might be a little crazier because he's a Red Sox fan. And and Red Sox fans, you know, fans of of, of previously tortured or currently tortured franchises, I think they, they have an extra an extra sort of crazy to them. You know, yeah, there's an edge. Yeah. There's an edge there. And Mike sure has that, even though the Red Sox are the dominant baseball team of the 21st century in terms of actual championships. He still like he still has this like that that edge. He still is. He lives in like constant fear and anxiety about the Yankees. Like it's fucking hilarious. Um <clears throat> But he and Joe Paz are really close friends. Uh, they do a podcast together, which is my favorite thing. Um, and I forget how they met. I think they had like, oh, no, I know what it was. It was it was uh, Mike Schur ran a blog called Fire Joe Morgan back yeah, when we yeah. were younger, which made fun of Joe Morgan, who, while one of the greatest players of all time, was kind of a moron as a as a broadcaster. And so what they ended up doing on that website is making fun of all sorts of broadcasters and sports writers who used quote unquote conventional wisdom that really didn't stand up to like modern knowledge. You know, it's one of those things where like certain fields are slow to evolve and, and baseball is, is definitely one of them. So in any case, Mike, sure. Rabid baseball fan got to know Joe Paz through, through, uh, through the baseball world. And they're, uh, they're really close friends. And uh, yeah, and we love, we've mentioned it on the pod before. We've talked about Joe Paz a bunch. We've also mentioned Mike Schur a bunch because Colin and I specifically are always entertained by how salty Mike Schur gets about, about anything, but especially about Yankee stuff. So uh, take it away, Kyle. Yes, and it is, it is Yankee stuff that he got salty about very recently. <laughs> and it's just so epic every single time. And it comes out of nowhere, especially in the midst of like what has been obviously a brutal month overall yeah they've won the last three games but yeah brutal, um, he brutal. just he so so mike started this the other day by just tweeting out randomly jd martinez home runs 2021 28 this year nine xander bogarts home runs 2021 23 this year 10 glaber torres home runs 2021 nine this year 18 <laughs> And then the one that Matt Carpenter, really, the one that really irks him, <laughs> Matt Carpenter, <laughs> home runs, 2021, 30, a hundred three in 130 games <laughs> this season, 15 <laughs> in 47 games. <laughs> it's just the best. It's the best. Oh my God. So people, you know, like, I think one of the, the best things about Mike is that he, reads his replies and he replies to them and, and he just like feeds into it and everything. And he does, it's all in good fun. Like he's never really like mean or anything like that. But um, uh, the other uh, ben, ben attendee's been getting at him uh, lately since he started to heat up. And so he tweets the Red Sox traded Andrew Ben for Frankie Cordero and Josh Winkowski. Uh, 
somebody tweeted back, Ben Attendee has a whopping four HRs this year, LOL. And he, this is like when he just starts going off. Ben Attendee has been worth 2.8 war. Frankie has been worth negative 0.03. Winkowski has been worth 0.0 war. <laughs> and just like on and on yeah. with these fans. Like if you just read through the thread, this was like two nights ago, three nights ago or something like that. It is just so funny when he gets fired up about all of that. And and he just, the Matt Carpenter thing specifically is so funny. Like he oh, can't get over it. Oh, he cannot. He's, it's amazing. He's talked about it on the podcast where, you know, cause he and Joe Paz love to talk. And we've talked about this on the pod too, right? Yeah. On our pod about Yankee black magic, about these, these people, the Yankees will get out of nowhere. And all of a sudden they're either career is revived or, or they were nobody. And then all of a sudden they're amazing for like half a season. And then they go back to being nobody for the rest of their career. Right. And it drives them fucking insane. <laughs> but Matt Carpenter, to be fair, um, <laughs> it is, it is fucking wild. And, and, and I remember Mike, Mike sure saying that it was like all time levels of infuriating or something like that. And, um, it's just too good. It's too funny. What I love to imagine is so <laughs> he has two kids and they're both like, you know, they haven't graduated high school. Like they're still pretty young. Um, his wife is also a comedy writer. Uh, she's actually Regis Philbin's uh, daughter. Uh, Regis Philbin was his father-in-law. Oh, he right, talked about right. he talked about that on one of the pods when when Regis passed. But in any case, I love to imagine like this particular night that you're talking about, Colin, was Mike sure just like sitting alone in his office at like 9 p.m. like just tweeting madly, like just going insane about like all of this like <laughs> baseball minutia. Like like what what do his wife and kids think? Are they just like oh that's dad? Just let him do his thing. Like. It's just, it's just so funny for me to like picture that. Cause he's also like super busy again. He's like this really yeah. important, busy comedy writer. And, <laughs> but he finds time, he finds time to like go on these fucking Twitter rants. I just love it. <laughs> and the fact that Carpenter hasn't played in like a month and it still drives him crazy. Yeah. Like, that's uh, the cherry on top. <laughs> yep. Amazing. <laughs> now I'll say I'm not, I'm not very familiar with Mr. Sure, but, uh, if any listeners are not familiar with him and want to get a good introduction, watch his TED talk. Did he do it? Was it on ethics? Yes. And it was incredible. So he did a bunch of studying of ethics leading up to, to the good Good place. place. He he did it to, to do that show. It was something I guess he had decided he was really interested in wanted to do. Um, And I haven't actually watched the TED talk, but I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's brilliant. He's, he's amazing and he's smart and he's witty and he's funny and you know, he's awesome. Have, have either one of you seen the show Hacks? He's a writer for that. Oh, show. that's right. That's right. That's another one. I forgot about that one. I haven't, but it's on my list because there actually are some Parks and Rec alumni who are who yeah. are like part of running that show and writing that show. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to check that out. Yeah. Have you, yeah, you watched it? Yeah. 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 We're in season two now. There's uh, there's a third season confirmed. Um, I, I don't know when, when it's coming out, but it's uh, it's very funny. Just. I mean, not not as good as Parks and Recs, you know, it, but I mean, that's that that's a high bar. It's a but, high bar. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's definitely as good as some of his other work. And um, I was just I didn't know until I think it was the end of season one. I was just watching through the credits um, and, and I saw his name like we we were it kept showing up on HBO Max. It's like it's something to watch. And I was like, all right, it's a comedy. It's about this woman who is uh has residency in vegas uh she she's a big time comedian and has this residency in vegas and um basically this other girl uh other woman uh is 
kind of exiled from the writing world because of a tweet she sent about something. I can't even remember what the tweet is. And they end up syncing up together because she's desperate for work and, and the main character needs someone to write jokes for her and everything. And it, it's, it's like really funny, like their relationship together. Um, it's, it's good. It's, it's different, uh, but it, it's really good. I definitely recommend it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so was the other thing you mentioned, the thing that's going to set me off? Potentially. Have I mentioned it yet? Or do you want you, you, No, is that the other, you had mentioned a few bullet points for things we could talk about. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. the last bullet point was the thing that could set me off, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can get into it. Okay. So <clears throat> I, I, I have kind of gone off on mini rants about this, uh, especially this season. Um, and I, I understand that the media has a job to do. And that fans are fans and they're going to do you know what they do. I watched both Yankee games this past weekend against the Blue Jays, Saturday and Sunday. I watched pretty much the whole thing in both games all day on Saturday, all Michael Kay and John Flaherty and your boy unvaccinated Paul O'Neill could talk about is Alec Manoa pitching on Sunday, Max Scherzer pitching on Monday, Jacob deGrom pitching, supposed to pitch on Tuesday. LLL. They were like, this is going to be ridiculously hard. The Yanks aren't in a place to, to do this. And I remember asked Toddy, I remember saying to Toddy the night before, I was like, I bet you the Yankees are going to win these next three games because everyone is writing them off. And like, these are professional athletes. I just don't understand why the media or why fans think that these people give up the way that they give up, <laughs> you know, like fans, the, the season's over right in their mind, even though they won these last three games, <clears throat> the Yanks aren't going to win the world series. If you ask like 90% of Yankee fans, they're done. They throw the towel in. Yeah. And, and like the other thing that was driving me crazy is Michael K. And I, and I, for the most part, I'm okay with him it, there. He does a, a couple things that drive me nutty, but, he kept talking about how, is this the real team? And th this again was on Saturday in the midst of another loss. And he's like, it's been long enough now that this might be the real team. And what we saw earlier in the season was the fluke. And I was like, Michael, come on, man. Like, I know you're a media guy. I know you're about clicks. I know you're about listeners. I understand that. But you cannot tell me that if this team was healthy, that they would be going through the stretch that they've gone through the past several weeks. If you just look at the injured list right now and compare it to what it was earlier in the season when everyone was healthy. Yeah, of course it's going to be different. And like, so that part I can buy that they're completely different teams maybe, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like what they did the first 70 games of the season doesn't matter and doesn't, doesn't carry any weight and that they can't turn it on and finish out the season really hot and go deep in the playoffs or win the world series or something. But I just, for me, it's been more the media lately. Like, why do you have to take these angles? Why do you have to do that for Ethan? I think it ends up being the fans a lot. Like when, um, <laughs> when Hal came out to, uh, to greet your boy unvaccinated Paul O'Neill and got loudly booed for, I for want to talk about time. that after. Yeah. After, uh, uh, yeah. For a long time. And then when Brian Cashman's name got mentioned in O'Neill's speech, 
he got booed very briefly. And it's like, dude, the, they're in first place. They have a bye for the playoffs if the, if the season ended right now. Like, what else do you want from these people? It's yeah. just, it, it, it's just never enough. And and people say that all the time about the media in New York. It doesn't matter how much you win. It doesn't matter how much good you do. It is never enough. They will tear you apart. And that's why people like Joey fucking Gallo can't make it in New York, but then end up hitting four home runs immediately with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Like it's just yeah. this, this switch flips and it's like, well, well, wait, 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 just like, 30 seconds ago, you're talking, well, these are professional athletes. Well, Gallo is a professional athlete, too, and he just sucks. So, sorry. Well, he only sucked like, with the Yankees. Other than that, he doesn't suck. He still other than sucks. that, he's really good. Yeah, uh, he's, he's okay. No, he, he's, like, really good other <laughs> than that. He's okay. <clears throat> I mean, wasn't um, that your saving grace last year, Matt, for a little while when you were trying to support Gallo? Is that, like... His o- o- OPS or something was no. Like I was not trying high. to support. Yeah, Gallo. no, okay. Matt never was. No, it no, might have been no, me. no, no. So that yeah. was Ethan. Okay, yeah. Well, listen, I no Gallo was garbage all last year, and I acknowledged that. But I was hoping, like, okay, a half a season, that's fair. That's fair for an adjustment time. A Rod, his first year in New York, he was a shell of what he had been for his entire career. Right, like. It takes people, Giancarlo Stanton, when he came here, he was nothing, his first year, he was nothing compared to the year before. Jason Giambi, Mark Teixeira, actually Teixeira, I think might've been pretty similar, but the list goes on and no, I thought Teixeira was pretty close. He could have won the MVP that year. He led the league in homers. Yeah, but I mean, I, but I think everything else was pretty similar to what he did the year before. It's not like he had a big jump, I don't think. But these yeah, other guys, he like, he didn't, have a, yeah, he didn't have a down year. These other guys, though, right, yeah, their first year in New York, they had, like, you know, for them, they had down years. So that shit happens, and, and I, so, like, a year was, like, a big adjustment, you know, isn't it? it was the necessary adjustment time for some of these, like, legit superstars. So my thought was, okay, it's a half a season for Joey Gallo. I think it's fair to give him that as an adjustment time that we see what happens in 2022. Obviously, we saw what happened and 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 turns out, unfortunately, Matt was right all along, you know, and I mean, I I had no problem acknowledging that as a possibility. Just as a Yankee fan, I was hoping, you know, that Gallo would figure it out, but he did not. And he had probably like the worst stretch of a Yankee regular ever uh, yeah, for I like over Colin, 100 and whatever games. <clears throat> you're probably probably remembering is I believe my stance when we got him was I don't like the trade. I don't think we need another three true outcome guy, but I hope it works. Like, you know, that was kind of my spin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I do want to, um, I want to address this other stuff. I want to address the booze. I want to address Michael K. So uh, the Michael K thing, Kyle, I'm totally with you. Um, The worst thing about being a Yankee fan is other Yankee fans. Like (laughs) if like Yankee fans are the fucking worst and they give the rest of us a bad name. Honestly, this is going to be a, a, this is going to be an analogy that probably does not, uh, resonate for anybody um but this is also what is like being a trumpet player so just to give everybody to give everybody a quick example in the music world okay in like the classical music world and actually even in the rock music world right but in like the instrumental music world there are certain instruments that that have reputations okay and uh trumpet players are generally thought to be like arrogant douchebags arrogant assholes right and many of them are i've met more than my share right but there are plenty who aren't, okay? And I have, you know, all joking aside, obviously I love to jokingly be a super arrogant D-bag, right? But as a general rule, I have tried very hard to like, to, to, to push back, to fight against that stereotype, right? But there's still this assumption. It's like, you know, Trump a player, oh, okay, that, that guy's gonna have a giant ego and he's gonna be a huge douchebag, blah, 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 blah. 
It's like the same thing with a Yankee fan. We just get, it's just this assumption. We get lumped in with, ugh, and it sucks because Yankee fans are the fucking worst. Okay. And I'm going to talk about that with the booing in a second, but the Michael K thing, what's annoying about that to me being like, oh, is this the real team? Like that's so fucking dumb because Stanton, <clears throat> Stanton and LeMahieu have both not been playing. Holmes has been out. Michael King has been out. It's just really, really dumb. It's just really dumb. Four like really important pieces have been out. Also, like we can just look at the actual numbers. We can look at the math. Like for the first like three, four months of the season, what April, May, June, July, I guess July, maybe did the slumping really start in earnest in July? In July yeah. yeah. Okay. But we we're talking about a good two, three months of playing amazing baseball. And at this point we're talking like three or four weeks of playing shit baseball. Like just like the math, the ratio here, like, you know, why are you thinking that this team that has been really shitty for a much shorter amount of time than it was really good. And this is with a bunch of really key injuries. Like how, how do you, how do you get there? How do you think that this is the real team? It doesn't, it just doesn't make any logical sense, but that's the point, right? I think Kyle, what you were getting at, right? Media guys, they don't, they don't need, it doesn't need to pass a logic test. It's just about emotion. It's just about getting people. They want exactly up. what we're doing to happen. Right. Well, exactly. But they want, but they want the opposite of me. They, they want the typical Yankee fan, you know, being like, oh, the Yankees are terrible. Fire everybody, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, whereas we are like, you know, this is very irrational. Everybody needs to like chill the fuck out. That's true. That's I mean, <clears throat> K talks for three hours on a, on a baseball game, plus a post game and a pregame, plus a four hour radio. radio show every day. He's got a he's got a lot of hot air to fill out there. So. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good now, that's fair. Now I'm gonna use your logic though. Taking a look at a little bit of the math versus the whole thing, Ethan. Gallo has played parts of seven seasons. <laughs> he has 15 war. That's not that, a lot. <laughs> that's not a lot. No. Okay. So let's let me let me pull up real quick. So because... so his his 162 game average average war, 3.4 based on baseball reference and and that is actually quite good matthew it puts him as a starter that puts him as like a good starter four or five is like all-star range and if you take if you take out his yankees if you take out his yankee time that number jumps up quite a bit five plus is an all-star so he's he is average and i think that's proven by the fact that he only he's made three all-star teams but he really should only made two um so hold on I just want to, I want to look at something really quickly. Um, so I, Gallo is not my boy. Okay. I don't want that. I don't want anything to be misconstrued. Okay. I was rooting for him to do well. He's not my boy. I, I am, am, I don't hate him as much as like normal Yankee fans because I'm not as crazy, but I am very disappointed and upset with how, how garbage he was. However, let's just look at something really quickly. Um, you're not going to die on the same hill that, Timmy did for uh, Gary Sanchez. No, I will not. No, poor Tim. Tim was way off base. Matthew, your boy. This is you're an actual boy, DJ Lemayhew. What do you think his oh. hun- What do you think his 162 <laughs> game average is for WAR according to Baseball Reference? Probably like 2.8. Oh, okay. So you guessed low to be nice and to seem reasonable. 3.5. <laughs> okay. So about the same as Joey. Just wanted to throw that out there, you know. I mean, obviously, we're 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 not having the same argument about DJ, but just saying, you like DJ and you respect him a lot as a player. His average WAR, <laughs> the fucking same as Joey, and Joey's would be higher if he had not been such dog shit with the Yankees. Yeah, what what was his WAR with the Yankees? 
Oh God, what is it, Matt? Do you have it up still? Uh, I've got it up. Let's see. Uh, it had to be negative cumulative. Player value right? batting uh, 0.5 last year, 0.1 this year. Okay. Jesus. All right. I figured he was negative. So yeah, that's amazing. <clears throat> but in any case, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'll say, you know, like, obviously I'm joking about DJ and everything like that, but it's kind of the opposite case for DJ, right? Like DJ was shitty most of his career when he wasn't with the Yankees, except for that one random year. And it's since he's gotten to the Yankees that he's gotten really good. So, so it's kind of the opposite example, but I, I had to check because I had a feeling that they might be, they might be kind of similar there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, with the Yanks, he's been, he's been really good. So, so I, I will, I will say, and I was wrong, right? Cause we talked about this. I feel like last year and over the off season and stuff, I have been a skeptic of DJ, like this whole, his whole Yankee tenure, pretty much. I figured his first year with us was a, was a fluke. Um, but I've come around, I've come around. I'm, I'm, I'm firmly a DJ fan at this. The biggest thing you guys are right though. I think we're going to have a problem with, um, the end of his contract. That's going to be bad. I mean, potentially the, he might age well though, than than a lot of other styles of players. Have you seen him run? (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah. Maybe not a good runner, but. But the fact that he has played all around the infield, third, second, and first, the way that he has this year, like that was something completely unexpected. Like I the hitting, it. the hitting, rebounding, like that you could believe, right? Because he's done that before. But to be, he's got to be at least average at all those positions. I believe Kay said last night that DJ and Donaldson's combined defense this year at third is the best in the league. Wow. That's that's impressive. I know yeah. that Donaldson, his defense numbers this year are really good. I didn't realize him and DJ combined. Like that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. So I mean if he if you know he continues to give versatility like that and yeah. And if he just keeps like being like a line drive, going for like line drive, you know, style hitting, like I feel like that ages better generally than than yeah. these like huge power guys so hopefully does, you know yeah. we'll see what happens but. okay small rebuttal how yeah. much higher do you think gallows war would have been if he was playing in uh this is not really helping dj but playing in colorado <laughs> that's one thing that i'm gonna i'm wondering so if if gal if gallo had been in colorado yeah, so that, that is one thing i'm looking at this going okay it probably hurts dj on the ops plus side of things yeah but well ugh. What's weird about it though is like usually people are really, really good hitters in cores. Yeah. Right. But like other than that one random year where he won a batting title, yeah, he like was not a good hitter with the Rockies. He was below average like his entire career, except for that one season. If you look at like OPS plus and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is really strange. Um, Cause you know, that's usually the opposite. I, I wonder actually, we can't do this tonight. This would be an interesting rabbit hole. I wonder what other examples there are of that guys who, for whatever reason, were shitty hitters in Colorado, but were like really good elsewhere. I, I feel like it's got to be a small list. Well, but well, I don't know. Okay. So here, you guys are going to make fun of me. Here could be a case where OPS plus and OPS may not tell the whole story where batting average could help more because his op- in a park like Coors, if you're not hitting home runs or doubles or triples, because he's, got a piano on his back. So he's not getting gap triples like everyone else does in Coors. He probably wasn't, he, he wasn't hitting a lot of home runs. 
but he's if he's you know he still had fairly good batting averages in, in Coors. You know, he had a he was what, 301, 348, 310, 297, 280, 276. Those were his batting averages every year. Yeah. Yeah. So his batting average is fine, but if he's if he's primarily hitting singles, right. So that's the thing. Coors, his OPS plus is going to look really, really shitty. Yeah. So now, okay. now I am going to rewind a little bit and say maybe I was too harsh on Trevor's story. So here's what I was getting at when I was thinking, <laughs> you know, when I was okay. going through uh, my thought process, because he's having a decent year now in, in Boston after a slow start, right? Oh, he had more than a slow start. I mean, it was a fucking disaster. Yeah, but yeah, yeah no, I think he, he had. Ha- I think he has been decent since. He, he had a start hurt. of gallo proportions. Yeah. yeah, pretty sure he got hurt though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, Matt, that's actually a really interesting point. Obviously, we have addressed, especially on recent episodes, the uh, the golf between Matt and I when it comes to uh, evaluating uh, evaluating hitters. But um, I do think that that's actually an interesting point. And so then it depends on how you want to assess a player and how you want to value them. Right. So if you want to if you want to take account, take into account walks and extra base hits, then you got to ignore batting average and you got to just look at OPS. But if you are curious, if you if you're on the lookout for a player who doesn't have any power and you're okay with that, then then okay, you know you you could look at batting average and be like, can this guy just hit? Can he hit singles? Uh, well, whatever. And so that's the thing is, I never realized, I never looked at DJ's OPS plus, yeah, um, before tonight. So yeah, it's pretty horrendous. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, but his his career OPS at this point seven seventy eight, which is solid. That's yep. that's actually Gallows that's quite is only, good. Gallows is only what eight oh four, so yeah, these yeah right fair enough yeah in these Yankee years I mean these Yankee years you know DJ has figured something out right and it's not like he's hitting a ton of homers um, is he getting is he and he's he doesn't he's hit got a more, ton of doubles he's got either, more homers than he than he hit in his entire Colorado career that's true you know and that. he did hit twenty six the first year but twenty nineteen is also a very misleading year okay here's a random I know we're kind of flying all over the place here but that just reminded me. <laughs> So obviously we've talked about 2019 and we've talked about the baseball being juiced. We talked about Glaber hitting 38 homers that year and how so many people did, right? Here's a random, like insane stat that I saw the other day. Um, fuck. I wish I could remember since which year it's, I think it's since, I think it's since 2019. Yes. (laughs) You saw that Matt. Yes. Eugenio Suarez, who's on the Mariners now, right. Who was with the Reds has like the most homers since 2019, like, in the majors? In the majors, yep. Which is fucking insane. Two, Eugenio two Suarez. Judge, I think, in Alonzo. Yeah. And here's the That's... thing. In 2019, he hit 49 homers. 49 homers. That's insane. You know, we've talked about this before <laughs> on the pod. Because we've gotten, in our generation, in our lifetime, we've gotten spoiled with homers, right? Because McGuire and Sosa and Bonds and all these guys happened, right? So we've gotten spoiled. But if we look at baseball history, there have not been, not been that many seasons of a person hitting 49 or more homers. That is a fuck ton of homers. Eugenio Suarez hit that many in 2019. And Glaber, of course, we know hit 38. That's how crazy the ball was that year. So when we look at 2019, we need to be taking it with like 10 massive grains of salt. Remember, he also, he played in Cincinnati. He played in a very, very hitter-friendly park. Right, that too. That's right, I forgot. Yeah, what is it, Great American Ballpark or something? Or it used to be called it, yeah. Yeah, Great American Ballpark. Yeah. So DJ hit 26 in, in 2019, but I think his career high other than that is like 12. So, um, so clearly right. 2019 is like a very strange outlier. Um, 
but yeah, Kyle, but Kyle is right. I mean, he has, he has like way more in his Yankee career than, than his whole Rocky career. But yeah, I just saw that the other day and I was like, Oh my God, 2019 was, that was so fucking weird. Well, I will say I stand humbled. Actually, holy shit. DJ had like seasons of 18, 10 and 23 and then 11 stolen bases. So I guess he was fast. What the heck's going on? DJ? Fast ish. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually not too bad. On? Yeah. That ain't bad. Um, eight triples in 27 2016 oh, oh see I, eight triples is good yeah oh that was his batting title year yeah. yeah so i will i will stay you know the the comparison to gallo in terms of 162 game I'll, you know that, that that i'll give you that yeah so but yeah i mean gallo there's no there's no denying right one of the worst 10 years uh, of a yankee ever and it was i mean it was painful it was painful to watch like like i will uh I'm not going to miss thinking about him or, or watching his at bats, like good riddance. I don't care what he does with the Dodgers, good riddance. And also, and we talked about this, right? We talked about this, or at least I ranted about this like a couple weeks ago about his whole woe is me shit that he, that he did in an interview, like after the trade to the Dodgers and stuff. And, and that's more to your point, Matt, right? Like these guys are professional athletes, like, you know, fucking figure it out. Uh, now, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, he's making 10 million bucks. You know, I'm not yeah. going to feel bad for him. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no way. Now, there is a meme floating out, floating around out there that it's because he had to shave. I saw I saw that his stats with a beard versus without a beard. I have to say the evidence is compelling. Yes. You know, and, oh. and OK. And actually, you know, what? while we're on this, sorry, I'm all like I'm all fired up now <laughs> while we're on this. I don't know that us three have ever talked about this. This whole Yankee thing with facial hair is the stupidest fucking shit I've ever heard. And it has gone on for like decades too long at this point. Why is it still a thing? Do you guys disagree with me on that? And if so, you're uptight fucking idiots. But go ahead if you do. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's like the stupidest shit. Why is it still a rule? It's it's literally, I think. It's a, it's a holdover from George because George yeah. was an uptight old white fucking uh, super rich guy who was an asshole. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know if um I don't know if it's a major league rule that you can't wear an earring. Like I know Bonds used to and Griffey even I think did uh at certain points. Um but you can't have any jewelry uh outside of like what's on your neck uh or something like that. Okay. I didn't know like, about that. Yeah, that's the only other like I'm like pretty much every everything else the yankees are like do whatever like whatever shoes you want to wear you want to show off all your tattoos you want to uh wear your hat sideways or halfway up like montas does um like uh, you know I, they're they're just like we we don't care anymore like none of that stuff matters anymore but when it comes to the facial hair it's like can't have it but you can have uh, a mullet like uh donaldson does yeah um, okay. counterpoint the facial hair rule has given us Wonderful mustaches from Carpenter and Nestor. <laughs> that is true. Very, uh-huh. very small benefit there. Very that is now, true. Now, yeah. the difference between a wonderful stash like those guys have and like a creepy stash like Giambi had, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. a fine line. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it's just such a stupid thing in general. I don't know. I just I can't believe that that it still exists. And actually, you know what? I was go- I was going to try and bring us back around to uh, the other thing I wanted to mention from what Kyle had <laughs> talked about, which was Hal and Cashman getting booed during the Paul O'Neill ceremony. Um, <clears throat> I personally think it's like dumb and a waste of time and energy to boo them 
um, and doesn't really make any sense. However, I will say I'm going to actually modify my, my stance on Hal. I think we should boo Hal until he gets rid of the facial hair rule. Um, <laughs> but, but otherwise, the boos don't make any sense to me. Um, it just goes back to what I was saying about Yankee fans earlier. I think that they're the fucking worst. I don't think the boos make sense. I think Hal has done a fine job as owner. I think that he has not made any stupid impulse signings like his father would have done. He has trusted Cashman. Cashman, as you guys know, um, I believe, has done an amazing job. He can't control Joey Gallo being Joey Gallo, but I think that Cashman is one of the best in the biz. And from what I've read, other executives around Major League Baseball also think of him as one of the best in the biz. So to be a Yankee fan and to boo him is like really crazy to me. The Yankees are in the middle of like pretty much an unprecedented stretch in like modern sports history in terms of the fact that they have not had a losing season since you and I were, since we all were fucking toddlers. And, yeah. And that shit like doesn't really happen in modern competitive sports. It's just like kind of impossible. And even the quote unquote, like bad years that we had, the rebuilding years that we had, we were still under 500. We were still in contention for like most of the season. Like, that is incredible. And, you know, I'm not saying cash gets like all of the credit. Obviously, there's a huge staff here that he's relying on and everything. Um, but the dude is really fucking good at his job. And I just don't understand. Like, I just don't understand. Billy. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. That that is. Um, I think that is a uh, a discussion for another day, obviously, but just randomly thinking about it now since you brought him up prior to Brian Cashman, it was a revolving door. And, you know, Tory had at least stabilized the managerial seat. Um, but that even started before Cashman's reign started. Yeah, Cashman started as, in 98, yeah, right? 98. Yeah. Because mm. uh, Watson quit right before the season started because he just, he couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, Cashman has obviously stabilized it for himself, but I do wonder, like, are there people who are capable? Sure. I'm, I'm positive. There are people who are capable. Are there people who are capable of handling the New York pressure that we have talked about pretty extensively tonight? That part I'm less sure about. Yeah. Like that's a part that I think it's, overlooked because of what you just mentioned, Ethan, the fact that they do put out a winning ball club every single season. And it's like what I said earlier, it's just not enough. Like it doesn't matter how much you win if you're not winning the world series every year. And even then it wouldn't be enough. They could win the world series every single year and they still wouldn't, wouldn't do enough, you know? And, and it's like, are they going to be able to find someone to replace Cashman whenever that happens. If he decides to leave, if the Yankees decide to move on from him, this is a contract year. So it could happen this season, you know, after this season. Um, and I just wonder like <clears throat> that stability right there, I think has give has continued, has allowed for the continuity of the stability at the manager seat to excel. And that has allowed for the <clears throat> overall continuity that, that's what I write my book about. Right. So like this, this is me getting on my, my soapbox about excellence and excellence being sustainability versus success being championships all the time. And I'm like, what do you really want? Do you want what George did? Or the question actually is, can you even do what George did in today's landscape? 
can you do what he did throughout the 1980s and survive? Isn't that what the Dodgers are doing right now? Nah, the Dodgers have Andrew Friedman at the helm. He's he's he, if anybody's a better GM than Cashman, it's him. Yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't have a hands-on owner. Yeah, they don't they don't have a fucking psycho owner who's going to get kicked out of baseball for a year. Okay, Jerry Jones, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I I think those are like legitimate questions and this is exactly yeah. what you're talking about, Ethan. Like only <clears throat> only people who think deeply about these things and like want to be rational will have these type of conversations, but most Yankee fans are just like anyone could do it better than Cashman. It's just like that. That's just not true. Yeah. No, no you know what so Cashman dumb. gets you? Cashman gets you the early nineties bills. It's going to lose every year. At the World <laughs> Series, you know? Ugh, yeah. God <laughs> fucking Yankee fans. Um, we, uh, we probably shouldn't get into this tonight um, because uh, you know, we, we probably ought to wrap up here pretty soon, but I was thinking about something today and I want to talk about this maybe next week. Um, cousin Greg told us, was it, was it last week that Greg or two weeks ago, two, two weeks ago, cousin Greg told us about his buddy, Mike Elias, who is the fucking GM of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, your third wanna, place Baltimore Orioles. Uh-huh. Not only third, place. not only third place Baltimore Orioles, but the Baltimore Orioles who have had the number one farm system in the majors for the last two years. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit more, uh, next time because we, on this podcast have shat on the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles extensively. Um, obviously the greatest source of my anger with the Baltimore Orioles was the French fries at Camden Yards. Um, but in general, we are all very displeased with the Orioles on this podcast. However, we got to talk about cousin Greg's buddy, Mike Elias, because he's doing a good fucking job. And I, I want to dig into that a little bit more. Cause I also think it's really good for baseball. Also yeah. to answer cousin Greg's question. If you fold a pizza, depending on your <laughs> geographic location, if you're here and you fold, it's a stromboli, <laughs> but it's not a pizza sandwich. It's either a stromboli or a calzone. Now, a calzone, a stromboli could probably fall into the umbrella of pizza sandwich, but I don't know about a calzone because that's like an encapsulated, like, like a calzone is like if a pizza sandwich and a ravioli had like a baby. <laughs> Because it's encapsulated, you know. I don't know. I don't even. <laughs> that's that. That's just for cousin Greg, um, and his Jabroni Brothers Pizza. Nice. All right, boys. We got plenty to talk about next time. We do. And uh, I think your boy Trevor's story is actually at bat, so he's not hurt anymore. Okay. <laughs> Any shout outs before we go? I don't think so. Shout out to Ethan's wiggly finger. 